Yo, what up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the motherfucking Cloudy Cast. <coughs> Today, I am bringing you guys episode 24. And as we've been fucking doing, I got two um, two articles. Um, one of them is from Leafly, the other one is from 137pm.com. So... Again, I mean, I've been doing this shit for fuck who knows how many episodes, but I literally read these fucking articles as we go. First time reading through with you guys. I don't know if that fucking means anything, but just saying, there's some shit that I learn with you all the time. And then um, I did put a new uh, post up recently on the website, cloudysociety.com. So if you haven't checked that out, please fucking do that. But let's get right fucking into it. Um, and then I'll let y'all be. So the first one is from Leafly, and this one is going to be, um, the title of it is, What is Guayal? I don't even know if I fucking said that right. Guayal. Guayal, and what does this cannabis terpene do? So it's a terpene. So the terpene pining gets most of the credit for giving certain cannabis strains a pungent, evergreen, and minty aroma. After all, pinene is one of the most prevalent terpenes found in cannabis, as well as one of the most heavily researched. However, there is a less common terpene that also brings similar pine flavors to the equation. This is the terpene guayal, pronounced guay, guayal. I said it right, guayal, which has a host a host of therapeutic benefits, and also shows up in a few well-known strains, albeit in small amounts, on the market today. Guayal's unique profile. So Guayal, sometimes referred to as uh, Champacol, uh, differs from many other terpenes which are oil-based because of its unique structure as a liquid. Guayal is most prominent in the hard, oily timber of the tropical guayacum plant, an evergreen variety mostly found in the Caribbean as well as other subtropical regions. Uh, Coniferous trees such as cypress pines contain wood that is also known to carry Guayal. Aside from its prominent pine-like aromas, from its prominent pine-like aromas, wood and rose notes are also present in its terpene profile. With the lower-than-average boiling point of terpenes, uh, 92 degrees Celsius or 198 degrees Fahrenheit, <clears throat> guayal needs to be vaporized at low temperatures to be fully enjoyed. Cannabis strains containing guayal. Even though it's not a primary terpene, guayal can be found in some notable strains, especially ones that display pungent pine-like aroma, aromatic profiles. High concentration of guayal are found in ACDC, Cynix, Plushberry, Pennywise, Fruit Loops, J- uh, Jelly Bean, Golden Pineapple, Chernobyl, Agent Orange, Blackberry. And there's links to all these. If you guys want those, you can read more on each fucking strain. I might do that on some of these uh, podcast EPs, but... I got them if you need them. Um, just hit me up anywhere on social. As always, at the ASAP Bravo. Anyways, the medical benefits of guayal. Modern research on guayal is very limited. So super limited research. Though we do not know the guayacan plant from which the compound is mainly derived has been used extensively in natural medicine for quite some time. See, though we do know that the guayacan plant from which the compound is mainly derived has been... So, Guaycam is the main plant that it's from, and they've been using it for medicine for a long time. It was brought back home from Hispaniola to Europe in the 16th century by the Spanish after they finished their conquest of San Domingo. 
By the late 1700s, guaiacum gum extracted from the dense wood of the plant was being used in the treatment of syphilis and to regulate menstruation. That's interesting. Guaya is commonly known as the anti-inflammatory as this as this in vitro in test tube and in in vivo in living organism study from 2010 shows. So there's a study that shows that a 2016 study shows that when used in conjunction with other essential oils, guaiacol can have anti-parasitic properties in vitro. While separate but similar study shows its antioxidant properties also in vitro. Um, in mice, guaiacol can potentially reduce tumors and strengthen the effects of chemotherapy in vivo and in vitro, as shown in this study. Although not therapeutically beneficial, it has also been shown that similar to other terpenes such as terpenaline, guaiacol can also be used as an insect repellent. I definitely need that out here with all these fucking mosquitoes. Uh, there is still quite a bit of research needed to fully understand the effects of guaiacol, guaiacol. Uh, especially when consumed in cannabis. So guayal. Guayal is a terpene and um, not as common as they said. What's it called? As pinene. But um, as I said, there's tons of therapeutic benefits. I don't think a lot of people understand how fucking beneficial terpenes are or how important they are in this whole cannabis shit. So if you guys have any questions or anything like that, definitely hit me up at the ASAP Bravo and we could go further into detail on all that shit. But yeah, that's it for Guayal. Um, and uh, I mean, it was a pretty basic article, you know what I mean? Letting you know it's a terpene, the benefits that it has, the strains that carry it. And like I said, whenever you guys want any links to any of these articles, I got them fucking right here. Just let me know which article it was. And I will get that shit to you. So the next one that I am going to do is... Um, this one was interesting. So this one's on 1.37 p.m. And this one, the title on this one is seven of the biggest CEO frauds in history. They secured the bag and then the sentence. <laughs> All right. So uh, the wealthy elite are known for creating innovative businesses for the future and providing much needed services to the public. Some chief executives rise and fall on the basis of money and corruption. Some let their greed get the best of them and end up sabotaging entire businesses and taking others money along with them. Uh, from Bernie Madoff to Bernie Ebers, these are the top scamming CEOs who committed extreme fraud and money theft. So in at number seven, we got Bernie Ebers. Uh, if you don't know who Bernie Ebers was, let's get right into it. Bernie Ebers was the CEO of WorldCom. His wrongdoings were discovered in 2002 and the company was forced to write off $50 billion in losses and file for bankruptcy. Ebers came up with a new age business strategy to obtain multiple acquisitions as well as merge with Sprint. Ebers had to cut ties with Sprint for business marketing purposes and the company hit a wall. Eager to still appeal to investors, Ebers fabricated financial statistics and lied to investors to make the company appear as if they were meeting Wall Street's expectations or exceeding it. WorldCom's internal audit team discovered improper accounting numbers over five quarters and revealed the corruption. Can't fuck with the numbers, man. So next we got Dennis, Ko Dennis Kozlowski. Dennis Kozlowski was the CEO of Tyco International and a subordinate for a prestigious security system unit. He was found guilty on 22 of 23 charges of grand larceny, violating general business law and falsifying business records. Kozlowski and company were convicted of stealing an estimated $600 million for expensive art, exclusive parties, and a lavish Manhattan apartment. He was convicted of taking more than $120 million without the approval of any directors, 
deliberately lying to investors to boost the economy's stock price while selling $575 million in stocks. For his crimes, Kozlowski received a sentence of 8 to 25 years in prison. I wish it would have given us fucking uh, Bernie Ebers fucking sentencing. Maybe they fucking had a settlement. I don't know. If you find that out, let me know. Next, we got Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes was the CEO and founder of Theranos, a company that claimed to be able to diagnose illnesses using just a drop of blood with next-level technology. It turned out that the technology for her company came to have claimed to... It turned out that the technology her company claimed to have did not work, but that didn't stop Holmes from becoming the youngest female billionaire. In 2015, a Wall Street Journal report opened eyes and made people question the technology and medical methods that were used to help patient patients at the Randall's facility in Silicon Valley. Holmes just flat out lied to investors about the legitimacy of the tools and practice methods as they poured billions into her company. The SEC ultimately agreed that Holmes misled her partners using a modified third-party machinery using a modified third-party machine instead of its own to process patients test what the SEC ultimately agreed that Holmes misled her partners and she did this by using modified third-party machinery instead of its own to process patients tests so she was using third-party machinery instead of uh, processing the patients tests from whatever the SEC charged the company with massive fraud for over $700 million. And I wish we would have got her fucking... Maybe that was it. They just had to pay all that money. Next, at number four, we got Richard Scrushy. Richard Scrushy was the CEO of the largest outpatient surgery provider and diagnostic rehabilitative services, Health, Health South Corporation. He was fined by the SEC on charges of massive account fraud. The Federal District Court in Birmingham, Alabama concluded that Richard Scrushy exaggerated his earnings at HealthSouth by over $1.4 billion to meet or exceed Wall Street's expectations. By the third quarter of 2002, health house assets were overstated by $800 million. Scrushy was indicted on 85 criminal charges of massive corporate fraud, becoming the first executive to be charged under the new federal law that makes it mandatory for CEOs to personally report financial results. So he definitely was full of shit. 85? Jesus Christ. Um, Number three, we got Steven Hoffenberg. Steven Hoffenberg, a public figure in the New York business world, was found guilty of fraud and criminal conspiracy with connections to more than than $460 million. Hoffenberg admitted to being the head of operator of a small group that was selling fraudulent notes and bonds to investors while using a majority of that money to pay off older investors and interest rates. Uh, The rest of the illegal money Hoffenberg accumulated was used to run the New York Post for a brief period and finance the Putnam... Potemkin Village, which was a financial empire that inflated ventures and fabricated numbers to make the company appear to be a prestigious healthcare financing company. On February 17, 1994, Hoffenberg was officially charged with uh, charged and arrested in the case. A year after the SEC imposed fines and sanctions on the S on the CEO. Again, no time. Next, we got Franklin Rains. Franklin Rains was the CEO of. Fannie Mae, the one, the once well-respected company that brought home mortgages and sold them back as securities, Reigns gained a high level of suspicion after the Office of Federal Housing Enterprise began to investigate Fannie Mae's accounting practices. Reigns manipulated accounting and, uh, and awarded himself millions of dollars in undeserved bonuses, deceiving investors. 
The government-sponsored company government-sponsored company was fined $400 million for several civil penalties. The company also agreed to slow down its growth and had a cap of $727 million. According to Time Magazine, Reigns was a person to blame for the financial crisis. Time reported that Reigns, who was at the helm when things really went off course, a former Clinton administration budget director, Reigns was the first African-American CEO of a Fortune 500 company when he took the helm in 1999. Um, he left in 2004 with the company embroiled in an accounting scandal just as it was beginning to make big investments in subprime mortgages, securities that would later sour. Um, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. I'm, this is like the only one that I like. I mean, I know some of these companies. I just don't know the details of them. Um, but shit, here we got number one. The number one motherfucker of them all. Bernie Madoff. Pulled off the greatest Ponzi scheme in history. Madoff was able to convince thousands of investors out of $65 billion while he falsely promised consistent high returns on profit. For decades, Madoff went undetected by luring investors through a Ponzi scheme, guaranteeing them high returns. The scheme worked by using vague investment strategies to protect their business and only tell investors what they are making occasionally without any physical proof or returns. In December of 2008, Madoff was charged with 11 counts of fraud, money laundering, perjury, and theft. Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison for running the biggest fraudulent scheme in U.S. history. 150 fucking years. That's crazy. But shit. 65 billion. You know how many people this guy fucked? Well, he got what the fuck happens, man. So anyways, if you guys want to get the link to this article, hit me up, as always, at the ASAP Bravo. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed that quick read. I know I did it pretty fucking fast. A million things going on, but at least I fucking put it up. Um, well, shit, guys, appreciate it. If you guys haven't checked out the website, as always, check it out, cloudysociety.com. Any questions, suggestions, all that, always hit me up um, at the ASAP Bravo. Besides that, again, hope you all enjoyed this um, quick podcast tonight. And I will be back on by next fucking Monday. Appreciate it, guys. Peace.